Chapter Fifteen of A Spinner in the Sun by Myrtle Reed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Spinner in the Sun by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Fifteen The State of Araminta's Soul. The Reverend Austin Thorpe was in his room at Miss Mehitable's with a pencil held loosely in his wrinkled hand. On the table before him was a pile of rough copy-paper, and at the top of the first sheet was written, in capitals, the one word, HELL. It was underlined, and around it he had drawn sundry fantastic flourishes and shadings, but the rest of the sheet was blank. For more than an hour the old man had sat there, his blue, near-sighted eyes wandering about the room. A self-appointed committee from his congregation had visited him, and requested him to preach a sermon on the future abode of the wicked. The wicked, as the minister gathered from the frank talk of the committee, included all who did not belong to their own sect. Try as he might, the minister could find in his heart nothing save charity. Anger and resentment were outside of his nature. He told himself that he knew the world, and had experienced his share of injustice, that he had seen sin in all of its hideous phases yet even for the unrepentant sinner thorpe had only kindness of one sin only thorpe failed in comprehension as he had said to anthony dexter he could excuse a liar pardon a thief and pity a murderer but he had only contempt for a shirk persistently he analyzed and questioned himself but got no further to him all sin resolved itself at last into injustice and he did not believe that any one was ever intentionally unjust but the congregation desired to hear of hell. As if, thought Thorpe whimsically, I received daily reports. With a sigh he turned to his blank sheet. In the earliest stages of our belief, he wrote, we conceived of hell as literally a place of fire and brimstone, of eternal suffering and torture. In the light, which has come to us later, we perceive that hell is a spiritual state, and realize that the consciousness of a sin is its punishment then he tore the sheet into bits for this was not what his congregation wanted yet it was his sincere belief he could not stultify himself to please his audience they must take him as he was or let him go yet the thought of leaving was unpleasant for he had found work to do in a field where as it seemed to him he was sorely needed his parishioners had heard much of punishment but very little of mercy and love they were tangled in doctrinal meshes, distraught by quibbles, and at swords' points with each other. He felt that he must in some way temporize, and hold his place until he had led his flock to a loftier height. He had no desire to force his opinions upon anyone else, but he wished to make clear his own strong, simple faith, and spread abroad, if he might, his own perfect trust. A commanding rap resounded upon his door. Come, he called, and Miss Mehitable entered. Thorpe was not subtle, but he felt that this errand was of deeper import than usual. The rustle of her stiffly starched garments was portentous, and there was a set look about her mouth which boded no good to anybody. "'Will you sit down?' he asked, offering her his own chair. "'No,' snapped Miss Mehitable. "'I won't. What I've got to say I can say standin'. I come,' she announced solemnly, "'from the Ladies' Aid Society.' "'Yes?' Thorpe's tone was interrogative, but he was evidently not particularly interested. "'I'm appointed a committee of one,' she resumed, "'to say that the Ladies' Aid Society have voted unanimously that they want you to preach on hell. 
the church is goin to rack and ruin and we ain't goin to stand it no longer even the disreputable characters will walk right in and stay all through the sermon andy rogers and the rest and i was particularly requested to ask whether you wished to have us understand that you approve of andy rogers and his goins on what temporized thorpe does andy rogers do for the land's sake ejaculated miss mehitable wasn't he drunk four months ago and wasn't he caught stealing the deacon's chickens you don't mean to tell me you never heard of that i believe i did hear returned the minister in polite recognition of the fact that it had been miss mehitable's sole conversational topic at the time he stole the chickens because he was hungry and he got drunk because he didn't know any better i talked with him and he promised me that he would neither steal nor drink any more moreover he earned the money and paid full price for the chickens have you heard that he has broken his promise no i don't know as i have but he'll do it again if he gets the chance you just see thorpe drummed idly on the table with his pencil wishing that miss mehitable would go he had for his fellow man that deep and abiding love which enables one to let other people alone he was a humanitarian in a broad and admirable sense i was told said miss mehitable to get a definitive answer thorpe bowed his white head ever so slightly you may tell the ladies aid society for me the next sunday morning i will give my congregation a sermon on hell i thought i could make you see the reason in it remarked miss mehitable piously taking credit to herself and now that it's settled i want to speak of araminta she's getting well all right isn't she queried thorpe anxiously he had a tender place in his heart for the child that's what i don't know not being allowed to speak to her or touch her what i do know is that her immortal soul is in peril now that she's taken away from my influence i want you to get a permit from that blackmailing play doctor that's curing her or pretending to and go up and see her i guess her pastor has a right to see her even if her poor old aunt ain't i want you to find out when she'll be able to be moved and talk to her about her soul dwellin particularly on hell thorpe bowed again i will be very glad to do anything i can for araminta shortly afterward he made an errand to dr dexter's and saw ralph who readily gave him permission to visit his entire clientele i've got another patient laughed the boy my practice is increasing at the rate of one case a month if i weren't too high-minded to dump a batch of germs into the water supply i'd have a lot more how is araminta asked thorpe passing by ralph's frivolity she's all right he answered his sunny face clouding she can go home almost any time now i hate to send her back into her cage bless her little heart it was late afternoon when thorpe started up the hill to observe and report upon the state of araminta's soul he had struggled vainly with his own problem and had at last decided to read a fiery sermon by one of the early evangelists from a volume which he happened to have the sermon was lurid with flame and he thought it would satisfy his congregation he would preface it with the statement that it was not his but he hoped they would regard it as a privilege to hear the views of a man who was without doubt wiser and better than he miss evelina came to the door when he rapped and at the sight of her veiled face a flood of pity overwhelmed him he introduced himself and asked whether he might see araminta when he was ushered into the invalid's room he found her propped up by pillows and her hair was rioting in waves about her flushed face a small maltese kitten curled into a fluffy ball slept on the snowy counterpane beside her 
Araminta had been reading the storybook which Dr. Ralph had brought her. "'Little maid,' asked the minister, "'how is the ankle?' "'It's well, and to-morrow I'm to walk on it for the first time. Dr. Ralph has been so good to me. Everybody's been good.' Thorpe picked up the book, which lay face downward, and held it close to his near-sighted eyes. Araminta trembled. She was afraid he would take it away from her. All that day she had lived in a new land, where men were brave and women were fair. Castle towers loomed darkly purple in the sunset, or shone whitely at noon. Kings and queens, knights and ladies, moved sedately across the tapestry, mounted on white chargers with trappings of scarlet and gold. Long lances shimmered in the sun, and the armor of the knights gave back the light a hundredfold. Strange music sounded in Araminta's ears, love songs and serenades, hymns of battle and bugle calls. She felt the rush of conflict, knew the anguish of the wounded, and heard the exultant strains of victory. And all of it, Araminta had greatly marveled at this, was done for love, the love of man and woman. A knight in the book had asked the lady of his heart to marry him, and she had not seen that she was insulted, nor guessed that he was offering her disgrace. Araminta wondered that the beautiful lady could be so stupid, but of course she had no Aunt Hitty to set her right. Far from feeling shame, the lady's heart had sung for joy, but secretly, since she was proud. Further on, the same beautiful lady had humbled her pride for the sake of her love, and had asked the gallant knight to marry her, since she had once refused to marry him. "'Why, Araminta!' exclaimed Mr. Thorpe, greatly surprised. "'I thought Miss Mehitable did not allow you to read novels.' "'A novel? Why, no, Mr. Thorpe, it isn't a novel. It's just a story-book. Dr. Ralph told me so.' Austin Thorpe laughed indulgently. "'A rose by any other name,' he said, "'is nonetheless a rose. Dr. Ralph was right. It is a story-book, and I am right, too, for it is also a novel.' Araminta turned very pale, and her eyes filled with tears. "'Mr. Thorpe,' she said in an anguished whisper, "'will I be burned?' "'Why, child, what do you mean?' "'I didn't know it was a novel.' sobbed Araminta. I thought it was a story-book. Aunt Hitty says people who read novels get burned. They writhe in hell forever in the lake of fire. The Reverend Austin Thorpe went to the door and looked out into the hall. No one was in sight. He closed the door very gently and came back to Araminta's bed. He drew his chair nearer and leaned over her, speaking in a low voice that he might not be heard. Araminta, my poor child, he said, perhaps I am a heretic. I don't know, but I do not believe that a being divine enough to be a god could be human enough to cherish so fiendish a passion as a revenge. Look up, dear child, look up. Araminta turned toward him obediently, but she was still sobbing. It is a world of mystery, he went on. We do not know why we come nor where we go. We only know that we come and that eventually we go. Yet I do not think that any one of us, nor any number of us, have the right to say what the rest of us shall believe. I cannot think of heaven as a place sparsely populated by my own sect, with a world of sinners languishing in flames below. I think of heaven as a sunny field, where clover blooms and birds sing all day. There are trees with long cool shadows, where the weary may rest. There is a crystal stream where they may forget their thirst. I do not think of heaven as a place of judgment, but rather of pardon and love. 
punishment there is undoubtedly but it has seemed to me that we are sufficiently punished here for all we do that is wrong we don't intend to do wrong araminta we get tired and things and people worry us and we are unjust we are like children afraid in the dark we live in a world of doubting we are made the slaves of our own fears and so we shark but the burning said araminta wiping her eyes is nobody ever to be burned the god i worship answered thorpe passionately never could be cruel but there are many gods it seems and many strange beliefs listen araminta whom do you love most aunt hitty she questioned no you don't have to say that if it isn't so you can be honest with me who of all the world is nearest to you whom would you choose to be with you always if you could have only one dr ralph cried araminta her eyes shining i thought so replied thorpe i don't know that i blame you now suppose dr ralph did things that hurt you that there was continual misunderstanding and distrust suppose he wronged you cruelly and apparently did everything he could to distress you and make you miserable could you condemn him to a lake of fire why no she cried i'd know he never meant to do it suppose you knew he meant it persisted thorpe looking at her keenly then said araminta tenderly i'd feel very very sorry exactly and why because as you say you love him and god is love araminta do you understand upon the cramped and imprisoned soul of the child the light slowly dawned god is love she repeated and nobody would burn people they loved there was an illuminating silence then thorpe spoke again he told araminta of a love so vast and deep that it could not be measured by finite standards of infinite pity and infinite pardon this love was everywhere it was impossible to conceive of a place where it was not it enveloped not only the whole world but all the shining worlds beyond and this love in itself and of itself was god this said araminta touching the book timidly is it bad nothing is bad explained thorpe carefully which does not harm you or someone else of the two it is better to harm yourself than another how does the book make you feel it makes me feel as if the world was a beautiful place and as if i ought to be better so i could make it still more beautiful by living in it then araminta it is a good book thorpe went downstairs strangely uplifted to him truth was not a creed but a light which illumined all creeds his soul was aflame with eagerness to help and comfort the whole world miss evelina was waiting in the hall veiled and silent as always she opened the door but thorpe lingered striving vainly for the right word he could not find it but he had to speak uh, miss evelina he stammered the high color mounting to his temples if there should ever be anything i can do for you will you let me know she seemed to shrink back into her veil yes she said at length i will then fearing she had been ungracious she added thank you his mood of exaltation was still upon him and he wandered long in the woods before going home his spirit dwelt in the high places and from the height he gained the broad view when he entered the house miss mehitable was waiting for him with a torrent of questions when he had an opportunity to reply he reported that he had seen dr ralph and araminta could come home almost any time now 
Yes, he had talked with Araminta about her soul, and she had cried. He thought he had done her good by going, and was greatly indebted to Miss Mehitable for the suggestion. End of chapter 15